Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host. I think it's safe to say that our luck has officially turned around, guys. We are back, baby. We're back. Yeah. Classic. We are back. That's we right. are back. We are getting Doug back. And we're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. We're the three best friends that anyone can have. And we'll never, ever, 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 ever leave each other. Michael Preston. We are back, baby. Woo! Yeah! Don't know why I did that. Pumped! Excited to be back. New intro. New stuff on the podcast, because now we're part of the mothership officially, even though we kind of were before, but not really, and now i got to use royalty-free music, because I can get in trouble if I don't, and I wasn't before. Maybe I shouldn't say that. We're going to leave it in there. It's fine. Craig Powers from Podcast Versus Everyone at Kook Center going to join us also now on the podcast feed. So another big part of uh, what we're doing and the changes uh, around here. But we think it benefits everyone, guys. And I, I really, truly believe uh, things are going to be a lot better. As we now have two podcasts on the network, you're going to be getting two a week uh, during football season. And that's that's pretty outstanding um, and during basketball. We'll try to continue it during basketball. Those guys are so much more interested and, and better at basketball. But hopefully Kyle Smith gives us a reason uh, to be interested in basketball this year. Then, as always, our Dunderhead of the Week. And we have a special Ask Michael Anything on this episode. It is not me doing the answering. It is my wife doing the answering because Sammy has bothered me for so long after hearing this segment. Or me recorded, anyway. She doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> um, she will be doing that. This week, also with a new bed uh, for that segment. That sounds a lot weirder after talking about my wife being in the segment. Bed meaning music uh, for that. But college football is back, kind of. Fall camp is underway down in Lewiston, Idaho uh, this week. The team will be back in Pullman after that. And we kind of get into the doldrums of fall camp. But it's our job to keep you interested in fall camp in the lead up to a pretty early uh, opener this year on August 31st against New Mexico State in Pullman kickoff at 7 o'clock on what is I'm sure going to be the Pac-12 network actually I think they've already established that as well as that 2 o'clock kick the next weekend which is perfect against Northern Colorado also on the Pac-12 network um, I, I, I think every spring and summer we miss it and you know after Clemson stomped the crap out of Alabama in January. We miss it until now. We miss the coaches giving daily pressers, and we miss, you know, Mike Leach belly flops into the pool on Twitter. Okay, that might be the first time that happened, but we miss the involvement and the thing like that and the thing that really brings us back to our alma mater, and and you should always be connected to your alma mater, but this is really and truly the one thing that really gets us connected to Washington State University. And even though there are only six home games this fall and the schedule's not superb, I'm still looking forward to every weekend uh, back in Pullman, and I hope you are too. So now that that little miniature uh, stump speech is over, we can actually talk about uh, this football team and how talented on offense this team is. I will put that receiving core up against any in the Pac-12, and I would probably do it against any in the country. Uh, top to bottom, it is hard to find a set of receivers more talented than the one Washington State has. And that's a pretty damn good thing for what you're going to have your third quarterback in three years. And again, guys, I know you know I know we all know the circumstances surrounding why uh, this is necessitating another quarterback. Um, and I, I told you before last season that if Gardner Minshew won the job, and aren't we certainly certainly glad he did, We'd be here again, and here we are again 
Um, but we know that this is a coaching staff that can handle this, and they showed they could last year. And we'll talk to Craig about this in a little bit too, but I think this year I'm a little bit more comfortable with it, not only because uh, it was handled so well last year, but because Gage Cabrud has a really good year on his resume. <laughs> Gardner Minshew didn't. Gardner Minshew did not. And we saw very up close and personally, unfortunately, what Gage Gabrud can do with good wide receivers. Now, he hasn't played a full season since that 2016 year, so his health is certainly a concern. But I think the other thing, too, is is if you listen to any coach who would tell you that, you know, well, we don't know, you know, even Mike Leach, well, we don't know who the quarterback is. Yeah, yeah come on. No. No, 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 no. No. You know damn good and well who the starting quarterback is. Gage Gabrud doesn't transfer to Washington State instead of Utah if he doesn't know that there's at least a very, 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 very good chance that the minute he sets foot on campus, he's going to be QB1. And we've seen a lot of Trey Tinsley. We've seen a lot of Anthony Gordon. And in terms of quality, um, they probably just aren't going to measure up to a guy who probably should have been recruited to a Division One. Uh, a school, I say that now. I could just say FBS because I'm not, you know, a 50 year old guy who won't change in his ways. Um, he doesn't. He probably doesn't come to Wazoo without knowing that he's he's going to be the starting quarterback. I mean, we 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 just know that, and we know how good his arm is. We know how good Tay Martin, Travell Harris, Jameer Calvin, if he's healthy, Aesop Winston, Renard Bell, my guy, Des Patman. We know how good Calvin Jackson is. We know how good these wide receivers are. And it's ridiculous to look at last year and just basically say there's going to be no drop-off in production almost. It's insane to think that. But they could be better. They lost Kyle Sweet. That's about it. In terms of really talented production. That's really about it. Like, I, I, I cannot emphasize to you enough how insane that is. What kind of talent you are bringing back at that position. It, 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 I, I will put it up there with any other in the country. I mean, yes, James Williams caught a lot of passes out of the backfield, but so did Max Borgie. You literally get everybody back but Kyle Sweet. That receiver. What? <laughs> that is bonkers. Desmond Patman coming along again. Tay Martin, always himself. Renard Bell, crazy fast. Travell Harris can return kicks. And he's just, he's so fast over the middle. And you have more play, you have more, more weapons to play with. Roderick Fisher barely touched the field last year. And he was an all-state sprinter. And came along so far in just a couple of years at East Valley. Billy Pospisil is here as well. So is Donovan Ollie out of Texas. Cassidy Woods is six foot four, two hundred and twenty-five pounds, and is going to line up inside because they just don't have a place for him outside right now. Are you aware of what a what a like how much ridiculous wealth you have in a position when a guy who is six foot four, two hundred and twenty-five pounds, you look at him and go. Well, we don't have a place for you outside, so we're just going to line you up inside and hope that a linebacker can cover you. That is absurd. And I said this before last season, and I feel like I'm going to say it again this season a lot. I am not worried about the offense. You lose James Williams, that's a big hole to fill. Do not doubt that. Probably the most talented running back other than Jamal Morrow, we can make an argument back and forth that Mike Leach has had at Washington State. But Max Borgie is excellent. And now you have Dion McIntosh, the former member of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish back there, helping to fill things in. And the offensive line, you lose Andre Dillard, but you still have Liam Ryan and Abe Lucas and Liam, Liam Ryan's mullet <laughs> up front. You have Fred Maui Goa, who's 
going to be, I believe this is a year three start for him. Third or no, fourth year starter. Yeah, he's going to be a fourth year starter this year. You have all this talent up front still. Like, there's just no drop-off on offense this year. There really and truly should not be. It is, again, the defense you're going to worry about. And we'll talk to Craig about this in a little bit. But I, I again, am worried. No Jalen Thompson, no Peyton Pelour. Up front, they look okay depth-wise, but at linebacker, you got a lot of inexperience. That's not Jahad Woods, and your defensive secondary is, boy, oh boy, do we just not know yet. And it's not a fun thing to not know. I mean, every position on the football field is important, but it's not a fun thing to not know at defensive back, is it? It's really not. I mean, we know Marcus Strong. That's about it right now. (laughs) There's going to be a lot of experimenting that goes on back there. In the next few weeks. And Tracy Clay said the other day. uh, That. You know. They're not ready yet. And that scared me a little bit. But when he says you know. And that's fine. They don't have to be. And the other thing you have to remember too is. Is we were all worried last year. About Tracy Clay's coming in and replacing Alex Grinch. And he did a pretty bang up job. There's a reason why he got a contract extension in the offseason. So should I be worried? Probably not. Will that stop me? Absolutely not. It will not stop me. It will absolutely not stop me from being worried. I do want to touch, and again, I you know we talked about uh, this earlier, and, and and we all know why uh, Washington State is here on their third quarterback in three years, and will now be four quarterbacks in four years um, come next year. Um, and what Gardner Minshew had to do. And in terms of lead this team and who he became nationally and everything else um, was something nobody, absolutely nobody could have predicted. And to to lead that team to 11 wins, an Alamo Bowl victory, a school record for wins, game day, everything else, it's about as good of a memory or a... a a dedication to a teammate and a friend and whoever Tyler Holinsky was to everybody on that team, what you know, whatever he was to you on that team or to anybody on that team. It's about as good of a dedication as you can get. And I I, I want to I, I don't I you know I talked up Gage Cabrud and his talent at quarterback and how good he is at that position. But I also want it's it's impossible to always temper expectations to the extent that everybody you know will just kind of fall in line and be this way. But Gage Gabrud is not Gardner Minshew. He is not that person. He is not walking into the same situation, the same locker room that Gardner Minshew was. And I like what he said uh, to Theo Lawson at the Spokesman Review the other day. I'm not Gardner. I don't lead the same way as Gardner. I don't throw the ball the same way. Gardner's a great QB, but we go about things differently. I I, I want to try to emphasize that what made 2018 so special memory-wise was it was so organic, and you just did not see that coming I mean, really, even after the game against USC, which they should have won, it didn't really take off until game day. And it's going to be difficult to reproduce anything like that this year. No matter how good the team is. Even if they do win 11 games again. Or 12 or 13 or whatever. I mean, God, please, that many. Or if they backslide a bit. I mean, I mean, 11 wins is exceptional for a Washington State football team. I don't want... I, I don't think that we should look at that and just kind of go, this is what it's got to be. You know what I mean? I, I, I think we need to... We need to kind of judge Gage Gabrud for himself. And 
not try to heap these expectations on him. And I'm I'm sure most people will will not do that. And that's good. But there's still the possibility that people will. And I guess that's what worries me and why I wanted to address it here up front is that you cannot expect him to be that person again. You can't expect that magic to be recaptured. You can't expect for that to happen. It's unreasonable expectation. And like I said, I'm sure most people will not be that way. But it's important for us to remember that part of the reason why 2018 was so magical is that it would be very difficult for that to ever happen again, if ever. And that Gardner Minshew, as it turned out and we talked about last year, was just the right person for that situation. The exact right person. And the Gage Gabrud may be the exact right person for this situation. Don't try to make Gage Gabrud Gardner Minshew. You're not going to have a great 2019 if you do. Take Gage Gabrud for who Gage Gabrud is. That would be my only ask. Craig Powers, coming up next here on the Kook Center Hour. Back here on the Coog Center Hour, we are now joined by, and this is kind of like we're, we're moving into a new world, Craig Powers, where it's not just me anymore, it's not just you and Jeff Neusser doing podcasts versus everyone. This is what they call in the industry, they call it cross-talk, they call it cross-promotion and other hot words that involve cross, like cross-buns and whatnot, and uh, th- this is a whole new world we're living in, so we're now talking to Craig Powers of Podcast versus Everyone and Coog Center uh, about football camp, which has started this week. And how, how do you feel being in this brand new, like, radio-y world of uh, hot words for promotions and things like that? I feel very cross about it. <laughs> uh, no, not really. It feels great. You know, I uh, I, I like to talk um, if you get me in the right situation, and, and apparently a podcast is the right situation. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Well, we're talking we're talking to a much felter Craig Powers. So first of all, congratulations on the weight loss, by the way. You've, you're down like 50 pounds, which is amazing. Yep. Um, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, this, a couple of football seasons of not doing anything uh, <laughs> meant I had to do something. Yeah, so. no, I'm, I'm trying to shed. I'm trying to get in football shape, which means losing enough weight to gain weight in Pullman all fall. Um, but quite the opposite right now is the football team, uh, that is still in Lewiston practicing for the remainder of the week of August the 5th, if you are listening to it this week, but, uh, they'll be in Lewiston the rest of this week, then back up to Pullman, uh, for the remainder of fall camp. And we're not quite in the doldrums of fall camp yet. We kind of get there, you know, once school starts, you kind of want to start hitting somebody that's not, uh, not your teammate. Uh, so how do you feel? Let's let's just start overall, big base, you know, where are you feeling right now at the start of fall camp about this football team? Well, I'm, you know, I'm looking at the team and, and what I think about this team is like, this is the, one of the deepest teams um, I've ever seen at WSU mm-hmm. um, across the board. Um, there's not a ton of very weak spots, um, where there's guys that are stepping in to replace other guys. Uh, it seems like it, you're not having, um, you know, true freshmen or anything. You're having guys that at least have played at maybe the JC level stepping in, which, you know, that can have mixed results. So we'll, we'll see how that works in particular on the back end, mm-hmm. um, of the defense, but, um, obviously, there's that question at quarterback, but uh, honestly, with just the depth at wide receiver and with Max Borgie and then add in Dion McIntosh, like, I, I just think whoever's going to be in there is going to yeah. be just fine. I, I kind of, I'm, you know, I think the on his pre-camp call last season, Mike Leach said four quarterbacks had an opportunity. It was Minshew, Tinsley, Gordon, and Cameron Cooper. He only said three this year. I think removing the possibility. I think we all saw in the spring game, Cameron Cooper has still a little bit of a ways to go. But I, I, I really, again, think you don't bring in Gage Gabrud if you don't think he's going to be your guy. So, we, you know, no matter what Mike Leach says, are you kind of inclined to lean that way like I am? Like, I, I know Anthony Gordon's shown some flashes of brilliance, but it's Still got to be Gage Gabrud that's got the upper hand, even if Mike Leach says nobody does. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think that uh, we'll we'll see Gage Gabrud um, on August thirty first. It 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 just doesn't make sense that they would spend the time and effort to bring him in 
um, if they didn't think it was necessary. And I, and I don't think Gage would have come to WSU if there mm-hmm. wasn't some sort of, you know, may, maybe not a guarantee that you're going to have the starting job, but maybe a, a wink, wink, uh, you know, sort of like he told Minshew last year, you'll lead the nation in passing sort of thing. So, yeah, um, yeah I'm definitely leaning toward Gage. And uh, obviously he has the most experience of any of the players. Um, and, uh, and he's got, you know, he's got obvious talent. And uh, when when he excelled is when he had a really um, talented receiving core. And he's got that at, at WSU. So yeah. um, I'm confident that he can maybe replicate, you know, his success from his junior season at Eastern. He's had, if I recall correctly, I mean, he took, you know, he was injured a lot at Eastern. So he never really kind of had the season that he did the year Eastern came into Martin Stadium and kind of shredded WSU on the back end and frankly I think I remember you know I don't want to get that deep in the bad memory bank but of them only losing by a field goal it was actually probably a wider margin than that truly I think Washington State scored kind of a garbage time touchdown yep. you're we're yep. kind of counting on again you know there there is that season in his past unlike what Gardner Minshew had where he didn't have that kind of insane offensive season that Gage Gabrud did are you do you feel a little bit better in turn you know like you mentioned with those that depth at wide receiver, which we'll get into here in a second, but you know, do you feel better knowing, you know, we all kind of were a little nervous last year with Gardner Minshew. Are, are your nerves a little better this year, knowing that a this has been done just a season ago, but b this guy has a season like this on the books? Well, yeah, I, I think there's definitely less uncertainty than there was last year because we didn't like we had tape on Minshew. Not like nothing was particularly impressive. I we definitely saw kind of that uh swagger that he has mm-hmm. and you know um some of the uh, mobility but but we didn't obviously he took it up a step and he was kind of born to play in this offense it seems yeah. like but so and we didn't really realize that because you know he didn't show up to camp until uh, uh the spring or the fall and and so we had really no idea what to expect come wyoming but um we kind of figured he'd be the starter uh, like this year with Kubrud. but yeah i think there's less uncertainty um, I also think because uh, Tinsley and Gordon have gotten so many reps with the first team just in uh, the last few camps, right. um, you, you, did, you know, in the last two spring and last two fall camps, uh, I, I got to think that I'm feeling more confident in their abilities as well. So, yeah, overall, that that's, you know, it's even, even though we lost a very – talented and uh, superlative player at quarterback mm-hmm. um, if, if you're comparing it to how we felt last August about the quarterback I definitely feel um, way more confident than I did last August yeah going over that season the 2016 Gabrud had he threw for 5100 yards 9.1 yards per attempt 48 touchdowns and 14 interceptions that's just an insane uh, number to that's, me I, I that's that's it's absurd that yeah, especially that's when he had Cooper Cup and uh, yeah. a couple other guys that probably didn't belong in the FCS, but um, yeah, I mean, I mean that yeah. that is helpful. That is helpful, but I, I still, I mean, this is probably this is definitely the deepest wide receiver core he'll play with, and we can talk about that now. It's you know, it's you watch Roderick Fisher kind of. I, I know he's a walk on defensive back, but he doesn't even have to do much to get by him, and he has to slow down for a football uh, because the dude is just so fast, and he is number three probably on the depth chart at X to start the season. Uh, there's only room for eight guys on the field generally. And it's probably not an exaggeration to say that if Jameer Calvin were completely healthy in camp, there would be 12 or 13 guys that could play for Washington state right now at receiver. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like we talked about this on, on podcast for everyone, the episode that, uh, our most recent one, but it just, it's a, yeah, it's when you look at Z, X and H, uh, mm-hmm. you have two, two guys at each position that could be a, a Pac-12 starter easily. Um, and then, uh, the, the only question right now is that why we have Arcanado and, and, um, uh, why can't I think? To, <laughs> I'm, I'm losing losing train of thought here, but uh, it's it's the um, it's we're doing this the at the we're, guy, we're doing Cassie this at the end of the day when your brain's not supposed to yeah. work. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. So Cassie Woods, and, and so yeah. Um, but th- that's the only one where you're kind of question because you know neither guy has really proven much there. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it's uh it but I mean if Jameer is healthy at some point he 
I mean, he was obviously a playmaker last year, and and right. so we. This is like, I mean, if you're stacked at three of the four positions, and then you you have you know, talent at or experience or just talent at, at the other one, you know, be it the experience of Arcanado or just the straight up talent and size of Woods. I mean, you, you're feeling pretty damn good. Like, yeah. And then, and then you add in, uh, you know, Borgie and McIntosh, whoever else that running back in, I mean, just Borgie, like you, you, there's, you just got to get the ball to guys in space, uh, which is what Gardner was very good at last year. And, and they're going to make plays for you. Yeah. I mean, just look. I mean, looking up and down, and again, we're reminding you that Cassidy Woods, everybody listening, is going to is slotted to play inside, and he's six foot four, two hundred and twenty five pounds. That uh, good luck to anyone wanting to cover that inside if he has any uh, amount of speed whatsoever. Uh, I know I'm a little worried about running back. Uh, you don't have James Williams anymore. Max Borgie certainly proved he was as advertised last year. We don't know a ton about Dion McIntosh other than he played for Notre Dame, which is probably a good thing. Uh, but you don't want to assume too much, you know, beyond that, I think. But you still have, uh, beyond him, it's uh, not really anybody. So you're kind of doing the same thing you did last year where you're knocking on wood that the injury bug doesn't bite that position. I think they're going to be fine. The offensive line is still ridiculously talented despite losing Andre Dellard to the Philadelphia Eagles in the first round of the draft. But I, I mean, are you worried at all? Is it, is it still just the injury thing and not a talent thing? Cause I think that's where we were last year. We weren't too worried about the talent. It was mostly just, please God, nobody get hurt. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely feel that Max could is, could be better as a sophomore than Booby was as a junior. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he might've, even been better last year, um, at least on a per touch basis. Obviously, if you increase the touches, he may lose some effectiveness. Yeah. Um, but he just the way he hits the hole and and kind of seeks out contact. It, um, it, it's kind of nice um, given how our running plays typically develop. Um, but yeah, uh, Macintosh. Yeah, it's a question mark. But there, there's no doubt the guy has the talent. They, his freshman season at Notre Dame, he was uh, he's seven touchdowns, like 300-some yards. Um, he, he was a, a, an important part of the offense for the seven games that he was there. And then he uh, put up some nice numbers at JC last year. And I I, um, I, I, I think that uh, he'll definitely be a nice piece. Mm-hmm. And, and I, again, yeah, we, I, I think we're plenty talented. Between those two guys, which is primarily what, what uh, we've been using the last couple of years, is two guys, because even Gerard Wicks two years ago kind of saw his carries uh, dwindle, and it was just Murrow and, and Booby. So, um, so yeah, I, I think if you have those two guys and they stay healthy, you know, they don't get worked too hard, so hopefully they do mm-hmm. stay healthy. Um, but, uh, yeah, with that offensive line, um, Andre Dillard left, but there's probably a couple guys on the offensive line that are going to be NFL draft picks in the near future as well. So, yeah. um, it's definitely a stacked offensive line and, and, uh, you know, that I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that our, our, our production from our running backs can be, um, just as good as it was last year. Yeah. I've said this the past few seasons, Craig, and I think it holds up a little bit in that I've never been too worried about the offense, maybe outside of quarterback before we knew what Gardner Minshew was last year, but you were never really too worried about the offense just kind of humming along and doing its thing. And again, it is the defense, and maybe again we shouldn't be, or I shouldn't be, because Tracy Clay's proved last year that he can pretty much just take the pieces and put them together and make it work. I don't think they're changing up again too much from what Alex Grinch left behind this year, and he's just kind of throwing in a few little rubs of his own. But really, it's pretty much, again, we're just sticking with the same thing that most of these kids that he still has still knows. But there are still question marks, I think, big on this side of the ball. The defensive line, which has been kind of scary thin the last few years, is at least a little bit better it seems like to me you still have will rogers you have Donby aguayo up front you get lamonte mcdougall coming off his red shirt year um so it's at least maybe a little bit better up front hopefully please god no more taylor comfort to fill space though that was a that was a revelation last year was taylor comfort and i'm i'm sad to see to have seen him go after not really thinking we were going to get much from him last year well yeah definitely did 
McDougal and, and whoever else is, is in the middle is uh, it's actually going to be a, a hole of production that they're going to have to fill because he was actually pretty damn good. And I, I mean, McDougal definitely has the talent. Um, yeah, I don't think at, at the nose they're not particularly deep. Um, mm-hmm. But on the ends, uh, they're fine. But it, uh, on the nose is where, uh, again, like you just don't you just don't have much depth there. Um, but they've played with. Uh, I mean, obviously, Matafa was a crazy talented player. But they've played with, you know, two hundred seventy pound seventy pound people in the middle, two hundred fifty pound yeah. people in the middle. Um, you know, they've had Equale when Equale was the biggest guy, and he was, you know. Ha- in air quotes, 300 pounds, but yeah, no, if, um, if, but, if he was 300 pounds on the queen of England, there's no way. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think there's definitely like, I, I don't see a drop off in talent unless McDougal just has a hell of a time adjusting off of a year off, which definitely is something that can happen. Um, I, I don't see a drop off in, in skill, but um, yeah, you know, you know, the, the, the questions, Really, they're probably they're kind of moving some stuff around in the linebackers, and then we're gonna have two brand new safeties back there as well. Yeah, but that's you know gonna be interesting. We'll talk about that in a second as well. I think I you know obviously at linebacker you still have Jihad Woods, who's just been an absolute beast for this team the last three years. Um, but the big hole you have to fill is Peyton Palour. You got lucky being able to put that off for a year when he. The NCAA, just being the NCAA, decided, oh, yeah, sure, here's an extra year of eligibility for some reason, and he got it. Um, the main competitors there at that position, Justice Rogers, Dylan Sherman, were watching that throughout camp. Um, those are the big ones. Fa'ave, Fa'ave is going to be there as well um, on the outside, I believe. So I, I, I think for me, yeah, again, they... you're not you're not worried until you really until you get to linebacker, right, of who's going to fill in for Peyton Blue, who wasn't ever the fastest guy, but he just tackled and he knew what the hell was going on. Yeah, and you've seen in the last couple of days they've tried Dom Silvels mm-hmm. out in the middle instead of uh, and then moving Fave to the outside. So um, it's definitely uh, it'll be interesting. There's obviously Pelor was excellent last year. Um, that's that's a huge hole to fill. Um, and uh, Justice Rogers hasn't. You know, shown much uh, in his time, and and even though he's more you know more athletic guy than Sherman, yeah. but um, Sherman I I think has seen the field more than uh, Justice Rogers. Um, but yeah, Tom Sills will be an interesting combination or interesting because he's probably a little faster, uh, a little stronger. So it'll be maybe not stronger, but definitely faster. Yeah. Um. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see what that looks like um, in a couple weeks. Willie Taylor as well. Um, I you right. know I mean they they all factor in there and Silvels is yeah I mean definitely the speed on there and I, I think the other position we're interested in is obviously uh, at nickel. I know everybody's pretty high on Patrick Nunn. Uh, that seems to be I think he's kind of the leader in the clubhouse right now to play uh, nickel because the kid is just huge and hits like a ton of bricks. Um, it, it they I think they're this positions are trying to kind of make it like Dayon Buchanan when he was sneaking towards the line. A little bit later on in his career at Wazoo, same thing with Shalom Luwani. Just a guy who can kind of roll back and cover if he needs to, but also someone who can lay the wood uh, up front. And none at least seems to be fitting that uh, so far, we think. Yeah, and they're, they're definitely moving Skylar yeah. Thomas there as well. Yeah. Um, off from the sa- from safety where he, he looked out of place last year. Yeah, so. he looked a little lost um, back there, yeah. So hopefully they'll be able to find that guy, that, uh, that Hunter Dale, that... Um, Shalom Luwani to kind of fill in and, and you know, yeah. be that, like you said, that dual role. And uh, it's basically a playmaking role in the, in the defense. Uh, the nickel position is kind of set up to, you know, get sacks, make make uh, plays in coverage. Like they're just kind of, they're, they're by virtue of where they are in the defense, they're just kind of there to make plays and, and uh, they just have to be good enough to do it. Yep. Uh, the good news with Skylar Thomas moving to nickel is it probably suits his skill set better. The bad news is is that leaves Washington State with three players listed at safety on their roster. Tyrese Ross, Bryce Beekman, and Chad Davis Jr. Uh, you got to replace both safeties now. I know you and Jeff have talked about this um, on podcast versus everyone, but th- this is probably the biggest problem now with Jalen Thompson losing his eligibility due to taking that supplement that was banned by the NCAA. Uh, this is 
a problem. And this is, I mean, it's obviously the weakest part of the defense right now. Uh, are you just crossing your fingers and throwing up a prayer to the big fella upstairs? Or, 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 or I think that's, I'm, I'm just stumbling because I'm so frightened right now. Well, yeah, I think one thing they're trying to do in moving um, uh, Skylar Thomas out and, and putting, you know, the JC transfers like Bryce Beekman probably will be replacing him. Like, um, is definitely get a little bigger. Um, obviously, uh, there were some teams, particularly Stanford, that picked on their height last year mm-hmm. um, in the back end. Um, they, so maybe the you know the corners, you know, Marcus Strong is still going to be Mar- still be out there. You, know, you can't. You can't make him any taller, but, um, <laughs> you know, but you can, uh, you can get taller safeties and maybe that helps out. So mm-hmm. yeah, they, they Bryce Beekman and, uh, interesting. They've, uh, Daniel Isom, who was previously listed as a cornerback and, and was working as a cornerback. And it seems to be kind of settling in, in that, um, Jalen Thompson, uh, starting safety role. So, um, it, who knows you know they're just uh they definitely loaded up on uh jc guys yeah. uh, they saw they obviously saw a, a need for in the future for safety and and um i i think when they were recruiting last year they were probably thinking skylar thomas is not going to cut it <laughs> and mm-hmm. so they uh they they obviously loaded up on some jc guys this year so yeah there's not they're obviously you know, there's not a lot of safeties but not a lot of uh you know, scholarship safeties, but there, I, th- I think it seems that uh, Isom and, and Beekman and then um, obviously Ross will be in there too. I think we also saw the other day too. I mean, Tracy Clay said, you know, they're not ready yet. They will be, but they're not ready yet. And I, I mean, it's weird. No, we, we, yeah. We, yeah. We talked about that earlier. I, or I talked about it earlier and I, your thoughts on it real quick, but it just, it, this is, it's kind of odd to just kind of put your trust in a guy. I mean, maybe we should because there's a reason why this defense, you know, held up pretty dang well last year. They certainly weren't the 2017 versions of themselves, which weirdly was the unit that actually led them to the Holiday Bowl that year. Um, but they didn't have to be last year because the offense was something along. And you, I think, I mean, you can, you know, feel free to chime in or disagree if you want. But, I mean, that was... Last year in terms of what the defense did and what the offense did, that's pretty much exactly what you want to see from Mike Leach coach team. Yeah, of course. Obviously, the offense was, you know, uh, obviously we um, will speak the gospel of the 2014 Carter Holiday Mm -hmm. uh, shortened season, but um, that's about as good as it gets. Um, Obviously, there's not putting up, you know, 80 points like at Texas Tech, but uh, um, that was when uh, I think there was a little bit more surprise involved in the air raid. Um, But but, uh, yeah, that, that was about as good as it gets. And um, at least from a, a, a blend of pass and run. Um, and yeah, the defense was good enough, uh, in plenty of games to turn, you know, uh, they did just enough adjusting to Stanford who had clearly made a game plan to beat them. And they did enough adjusting in the second half to shut them down enough for the offense to come back. And then, uh, you saw just games that, Maybe if a worse defense would have been closer, that the, they just blew, you know, what should be pure competition away. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, you saw a defense that quite often got stronger as the game went on and um, kind of held held down. And um, that, that, that's encouraging can, from uh, Tracy Clay's perspective. And um, so yeah, it's um, it. Um, I, I think that they can be as good as last year. Um, I, I obviously, I, well, losing Jalen uh, will make a difference. So yeah. maybe before Jalen left, I would have said that. But uh, we'll, we'll see. You know, you, you you never know when these guys come in. They could be completely awful or they could be a revelation. But yeah. And we've, we've had our, our fair share of revelations in the last four <laughs> years. So um, it, you, you kind of come to expect that at some point. You know, yeah. uh, uh, Zane from Cook Center was sharing his uh, – his data on uh, the recruiting Mike Leach yeah. getting more yeah. out of his recruiting classes than uh, than than anyone else in the Pac Pac twelve the last couple of years. So, you know, hopefully that trend continues. We'll leave it off with this, Craig. And I, I I've, I've thought about this a little bit during the off season, and I I I wonder now if 
you saw after the 2017 season, I mean, Mike Leach was, he was effectively hired by the University of Tennessee that offseason. I think that's probably something we can all agree on. And if not for the stupidity of John Curie, uh, he is still in Pullman, lucky us. Um, there just weren't a ton of overtures after last season. And I wonder your thoughts on whether that has to do with the, I mean, obviously he's being given generous contract extensions, but does that have to do with the level of comfort with Pat Chun? I think we were all worried about that after Bill Moose left, but is it just that he's perfectly content and comfortable now working for a guy who is willing to give him a raise every once in a while, but also who um, he's clearly getting some support from maybe that he didn't feel like he was going to get after Bill Moose darted uh, for Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah, um, obviously Leach has gotten a raise each of the last two seasons. Uh, after yeah. the, well, after must he, be nice after after he tried to bolt, and then after last season. So, um, I, I yeah, there, there, there's possibly an element of that where uh, he just needed to um, be used to trying. We know that Leach has been burned by dealing with administrators in the past, and he is. And if you've read his book. Um, he is very wary of that. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if that played, played a role. Um, and maybe, uh, maybe the Tennessee was kind of a unique thing. Maybe there weren't a lot of people that were reaching out for him, but you would think after an 11 win season, um, there definitely would be some programs. I, I think that might've been a function of there being quite a few coaches available and not a ton of, uh, high, high, you right. know, elite positions to fill, mm-hmm. and and there are, there's also the possibility that um, maybe elite programs don't see Leach as a as an option. Yeah, because uh, he's never been hired by. Well, he was hired by Tennessee, but you, they, I'm, maybe their uh, fans think they're more elite than they actually are. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know any other fan base like that. Uh, Craig Powers from Podcast versus Everyone. We've done the cross talk, Craig. It'll happen again at some point. More cross talking and whatnot, cross promotion and cross variants things and other buzzwords. It's good. Excellent. Dunderhead of the week time, and we have been off all off season. And you think I have a better memory of like you know Dunderheads from that time, but I don't because I have the memory of goldfish when it comes to that. I'm giving a very melancholy uh, Dunderhead to something that I'm glad to see out of my life uh, this week. Some of you may know, uh, I believe I've mentioned it before. Next door to our home in Seattle, they've been remodeling. Uh, the backyard of this property for about two years now and putting in uh, a couple of townhomes. It has been hellish. Just how long this has been going on, what we've been dealing with, intrusions into our property, everything else. It has not been fun. Work stoppages for months on end, all this other stuff. But throughout it all, there was a porta potty right out at the front of their property and right on our property line, right at the sidewalk, right in front of the street. So she just walked up to our house, Porta potty, my house. And it's a tragedy because I have a beautiful rhododendron that that blooms this beautiful deep purple color every spring, and it is gorgeous, but it is beset by the fact that there was a damn porta potty right in front of it. Last week that porta potty was taken away. Because the work is now 99.5% of the way done, and it is no longer needed for the construction workers next door. So to that porta potty, I say to it, I hope wherever you go next, you are not there for as long as you were in front of my home. I got to know you, your family. <laughs> but for real, that it was it was just so gross. I just walking home from the bus every day and seeing a porta potty in front of my damn house. Oh my god, my house is really pretty. I like it a lot. And honey bucket. Oh god. Ask. Sammy anything time. Back here on the Kook Center Hour, one final segment of this first show of the year, and... Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host, Michael Preston. You all have been demanding it relatively, though she has been demanding it more than anybody. She feels like she's allowed to as the wife of a podcast host, and you've actually heard her voice before because this 
should sound familiar. Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host, Michael Preston. She's the voice behind the intro. She is my wife, Sammy, and she wanted to do Ask Sammy Anything. Is that what are you wanting to call this? What do you. She has wine. That's the important thing here. It's the only thing. You know, you're doing. You are doing this the first time with the new music, too. Like, this is the first time we're using the uh, royalty free music that I don't have to pay and have illegal on the podcast. Well, it could be. You could have GAM. Which is god-awful music, which is the worst. She's a producer and she has too many things. Do you know how this goes? People ask questions and you have to answer them? I can do that. Have you ever listened to the show before? That's a a great question. It's a great-looking question. She's never listened to the show before. My producers have barely listened to the show before and they're in the room right now. Okay, you can hear one right now. They know who the producers are. I've talked about it before. (laughs) This is just going swimmingly, but I'm not going to delete it because that's how this goes. At Podcast versus Everyone, at Pod versus Everyone, has there ever in the history of your relationship been a time that Michael has actually drank you under the table? I think so. Yes, there is one time... (laughs) <laughs> it was in it was in college. It was junior year. It was a Halloween party. Mm, mm-hmm. And you and I were going drink for drink. And yeah, I think you ended up in bed and you had puked on down the entire side of the bed and I had to clean it up. <laughs> These are the details you get when my wife is here, folks. You just can't lose. You remember what I was dressed up as that year? Uh, oh, you were at Idaho football coach. Yes, I was. At Donnie Out West, Donnie Turnboss. Sammy, what is Michael's biggest fear and most dangerous allergy? I see no reason for you to ask why I am asking this question. <laughs> Your biggest fear is heights. Oh, you God, yes. You can't even go near the edge of, like, tall sky nope. like, buildings. Like, even nope. if it's completely enclosed. Nope. Like, you won't go near the edge. Nope. Which I think is ridiculous. Mm-mm. Um, And to my knowledge, in our near 12 years of relationship, I don't think you're allergic to anything. I have, like, your everyday, like, regular like, old like pollen, pollen allergies. allergies but I don't but think like, there's, there's, like, nothing that I'm, like, deathly allergic to. It's not to. like if you touch a nut, you're going to die. Boy, the directions we could take that one. <laughs> At Steph Ray Powers, Stephanie Powers, are you ready to hold this exact baby this football season? This is Craig Powers' sister's baby, Iris. Look at how uninterested she looks in anything because she's very asleep in this picture, but very cute, too. Aww, I can't wait to hold the that bow baby. The bow is really cute. Aww. Pink bow. Is the that Powers is make cute babies, man. Yeah, I know. Is that a pink bow? I can't, I can't it's a red bow, baby. Is that a red bow? Okay, red bow. I'm colorblind. You're trying At hard. CCOOG 8606, fall is rapidly approaching. This is from Sean. What is your favorite pumpkin flavored beer um sean you can die in a fire pumpkin flavored beer is garbage if you drink pumpkin flavored beer you're garbage at me (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're agreeing oh my god this is a disaster i can't believe we're gonna keep it in the show at nick bd 72 nick bd who's your favorite coog named sammy my favorite coog named sammy I don't know. See, yourself would have been a good answer there. Oh, I thought you were talking like players. Sammy Moore is also a good one, but oh. it's good. You can see you can take these questions any direction you want to go. You could yeah. have just said you. I am my own favorite coup. There you go. Shouldn't even have to say Sammy Moore. At our blank ninety nine, blame Spokane. How has the White Claw summer affected your life? Um, White Claw is this generation's Zima. Mm. So how has it affected your life? It it hasn't because I don't drink them. I drink uh, IPAs and bourbon like a true American. Now see, that's why I married the woman, even though I didn't know that about her when I did marry her. At double BS thirteen, waffles or waffles? Waffles. Waffle. That's like great. waffle fries. Waffles. Just waffles or waffles. Well then, waffles. Waffles. Absolutely waffles. At WSU Brady twenty seven, go Cougs. Calling this. Ask Sammy anything. Ask my wife anything. Ask the better half anything. I, I think we already kind of went over that, but I think it what do you like? Be, oh, I think it should be ask my wife anything, and then we get all the Kook Center wives just hammered at a tailgate, and we just start asking, answering questions from people at the tailgate. These are my ideas. Wow, that's, well... Most of them involve I mean, me drinking. Yeah, great. I, yeah. <laughs> at Jason M144, Jason Gross, eating out in Pullman, breakfast, lunch, or dinner? Ooh, well, okay. I, I like to do all. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to do breakfast, Breakfast Club in Idaho. Mm-hmm. Lunch, 
if we're gonna do like a quick lunch, I mean, Cougar Country. Mm-hmm. Um, and then dinner, if we're gonna go fancy, Black Cypress, yes, obviously. Um, but if it's just a normal like dinner, I, I I'll go with the Coug, even though it, it killed us that one time. Yeah, we did get the food poisoning from there one time. We have forgiven them, but we uh, have forgiven them. We just haven't the, gotten a burger. The it's, hamburger, everything yeah, is just was a little yeah, it was a little rough on us that one time. Yeah, that was terrible. At Vince G fifty five, our old friend Vince Grippy should tailgate for a nine a.m. football game, feature breakfast, or stay with traditional fare. In other words, Ooh. is it inappropriate to eat a brat and drink a Coors at seven thirty a.m. on a Saturday in Pullman? It is never inappropriate to drink a Coors at seven. 30 a.m. ever um whether you're in Pullman or not that's just how I feel about life in general um I think that I think that if you do a 9 a.m. tailgate you have a lot of fun options you could like grill breakfast burritos you could do like Bailey's pancakes like there's a lot of options you go with I think you need to have some traditional fare like you're gonna have chips and salsa and let's be honest who hasn't had like cold or hot pizza at six in the morning I mean, <laughs> everyone has. You can kind of treat it as like you just didn't go to bed, so you just kept partying and you eat what you had the night before. You ever had breakfast pie? I have had breakfast pie. It's the best thing in the world. Last question from Totes McStose, Eric Stose. How does it feel to be married to the host of the second best Gook Center podcast? Ooh, them's fighting words. Well, all I know is that he's the tallest. That's not true either. Not true? Oh, no. that's embarrassing. That is really not true. That's Craig is taller than me. That's embarrassing. Um, I mean, he's a cool guy. I am the youngest. You are the youngest. Let's see, we'll roll with that one. Uh, more next week at the Kook Center. We have no idea what. We're going to get in the doldrums of fall camp because that's usually what happens around this time of year. And it's just usually just trying to get through the next week until another week closer to Cougar football. Uh, so for my wife and my producers who have taken more of an interest in the bugs outside of the windows, I'm Michael Preston. We will see you next week. Bye, friends.